Good morning, everybody. Nice. My name is Brandon, and I'm the executive pastor of Renaissance Church. And I got to say, I'm, I'm proud to be able to say that, man. Like, I, I go other places, hang out with other churches and other ministers, and I'm just really proud to have a, a front row seat to witness all the things that God has done and is doing in your hearts and in this community. And it, it really is amazing, and I just praise him for it. Amen. Yeah. If you would, open your Bibles to James chapter 3 as we begin worshiping with God's word here today. And it reads, beginning in verse 13, Who among you is wise and understanding? By his good conduct, he should show that his works are done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without pretense, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. Amen. Today I have unfinished business, because I'm here to talk to you again about wisdom in real life. I'm going to pray. Lord God, we love you so very much, God, and we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you're, you are here with us. I thank you that you are the most present among us right now. Be the most present minister among us right now, Lord God, as we break open your word. And we thank you for your wisdom and your love for us God, I thank you that you could use people like us, that you could use people like me to, to be glorified, Lord God. We're humbled by it, and we praise you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. At the age of 18, I was arrested for the possession of narcotics with the intent to distribute by New York Police Department's 28th Precinct, which happens to be at the end of the block that we're currently sitting on right now. Right, and I said, if, if this was Renaissance Pentecostal Tabernacle, we would be done, we, the sermon would be over. You feel me, like that? We would just be grittying, grittying up and down the aisle. Bro. This is Renaissance Church NYC, though, so we are... We are here, and now I have to deliver to you an actual message. <laughs> I just derailed my story, so let me start over. I was arrested, right? <laughs> I was arrested by the precinct at the end of the block, praise God. 
And I have a hood confession, though, because the whole time I was wilding outside, which obviously led to such scenario, just wilding, kind of just not, not doing the right things, I was living a double life, because that whole time I had a 3.85 GPA. <laughs> and this is hilarious to me, because I would be out, you know what I'm saying, and I was just, again, living that double life, and my friends would just randomly offer up, like, yo, B, I just realized our whole time through high school, I've never had a class with you before. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I would be like, yeah, that is crazy. I would pretend along and be like, really? I think you're right. Yeah, I think we have never had a class together. That's crazy. <laughs> and <laughs> the whole time I know it's because I'm in AP calculus. That's <laughs> like, I know why. <laughs> and, and you got to understand, I'm, I'm, I'm not hanging out with AP calculus type people. You understand what I'm saying to you? Like, is it, that wasn't it. But I was a closet nerd or a hood genius. I'll let you call it. I'll let you call it. You know what I'm saying? It's the, but I was living a double life. And how this happened was my mother had a fast rule. Starting back in middle school, she said, outside is off limits unless you get that homework done and done right. See, my mother was a single mother of four boys at the time, and she spent all of her time trying to provide for our family. And so school was a, a thermometer of sorts to try to, you know, see how I might be acting outside of the classroom. And, and so if I had my homework done, I could, I could have some freedom. I could go outside. And she said, don't try me neither. On a rainy day, you don't want to go outside. That's great. 106 in Park is off limits. If you, you're not watching 106 in Park, now, there will be no free in AJ if you don't get that homework done and done right. And so from that point on, I created this, this rhythm and this habit of separating what I know from what I do. And so here I was on that warm day on 8th Ave in chains. Not because I didn't know the right things, or I wasn't taught the right things, but because I just simply wasn't doing the right thing. But wisdom is a matter of doing right, not just thinking right. And that's why James says in verse 13, he says, who among you is wise? Great. By your conduct, show your wisdom. Wisdom is active. You see, wisdom is a matter of our conduct more than it is a matter of concepts. Wisdom, wisdom is a matter of lifestyle more than it is a matter of lip service. Wisdom, wisdom is a matter of our morals more than it is a matter of our mind. Wisdom is active. And that is why I defined wisdom a few weeks ago as the means by which we both discern and carry out the will of God. Wisdom is more than just thinking the right things. Wisdom is doing the right things. And here is why James is speaking to two specific groups of people here who were in a century-long fight. He says in verse 14, But if you have bitter envy 
and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Here he talks about people with bitter envy and selfish ambition. And in this specific time, when James is writing this letter, what has happened is that there was a century-long fight because there were a group of Jews who, let's say, just didn't have a lot of possessions. They weren't wealthy. And people referred to them as peasants. And the wealthy people in the area, some religious, some not religious necessarily, but the, the thing is that they were wealthy and they were connected to the local government. They came and they seized the land of the not so wealthy and then drove the prices up and it got really expensive to be there. And you can imagine that that would cause a lot of tension then. And then on top of all of that, there was a grain shortage which caused some economic and, and food scarcity. So just a lot of turmoil, a tumultuous situation here in this time. And, and what happened was a few groups rose up to try and provide solutions. And one of those popular groups was a, a religious group that was intentionally um, inciting violent riots to try and cause a war, which they successfully caused a four-year-long war that led to the destruction of the very temple. Let me just tell you, everybody virtually lost that war. But James is writing before that happens. He sees that happening. He sees this tumultuous situation brewing, and he writes to appeal to both of these sides, not as a centrist saying, hey, you're wrong and you're wrong, but I'm right, but rather to appeal to both sides and show them how the way that they are operating is unwise, proven by how they are treating one another. And so he writes, bitter envy and, and selfish ambition. And, and he says that um, if, if we are operating with this wisdom from below, this bitter envy and this selfish ambition, we may very well be incredibly knowledgeable but we're not living in the wisdom of God. And here is what envy is. Envy is wisdom that makes you sad about someone else's good. It flips upside down the verse in Romans 12, 15, which says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who who weep. It flips it upside down and says, hey, what about if you rejoiced at those who are weeping? And you wept when others have great cause to rejoice. And sometimes this can be caused in our lives by real loss. Maybe we have a loss of relationship that's just irreparable, a mother-daughter relationship, a father-son relationship, and that's a real thing to mourn. But maybe now you just can't stand to see a happy family. Or maybe a loss of romantic relationship. You've, you've lost count maybe of how many people you've blocked off your timeline just for posting that they were booed up at the beach. <laughs> Completely lost count. Blocked. <laughs> or can, can we be more specific? Even throughout COVID, there have been some politicians who have fallen sick or even passed away because of covid and then online, we see large swaths of people rejoicing while their family and friends mourn their health 
and mourn even their death? Was that you? It's quiet. That's scary. Envy is dark. Envy, envy is dangerous. Or maybe that's not, maybe you're just simply discontent at your place of work because you see people around you adding some big, big names to their resume, some big, big shows to their resume, and you're like, you know what, I should have that. I'm better than them. I'm smarter than them. I deserve those things, not them. And you see them go into their office and posting their stories about their all-you-can-eat soft-serve ice cream with the little pulley and the swirls, like they're at Carvel, not a corporate office. (laughs) And you go, what about me? I want that. I should have that, not them. But if you are not careful, envy can eat away at your relationship with God. And James warns us here as well, selfish ambition. And here is what selfish ambition looks like. Selfish ambition is wisdom that helps you but harms others. Wisdom that helps you but harms others. And this is the opposite of Philippians 2.3, which says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition and conceit, but in humility... Consider others more important than yourselves, and it flips it upside down and says, actually, you can do a lot through selfish ambition and conceit, because you should never count anyone else more important than yourself. You're most important. Be most important. You might be operating from selfish ambition if You've read a book with the sole intent of arguing with somebody before? (laughs) You're highlighting away, like, I'm going to say that right there. You know what I'm saying? I'm definitely, I'm going to try to memorize that sentence so next time when we talk, got you. (laughs) Trying to belittle them. That's wisdom that's benefiting you and you alone. You also might be operating from selfish ambition if you find people hurting because of what you call helping. There are lots of examples of this. But one not too inflammatory one is unsolicited advice. Maybe you just owe it. you got to share your opinion about it. Because you know why? Because you think rightly. You think rightly about it, about all of these things. And, and of course, anybody would benefit from, from having your wisdom and your right thinking about the scenario. And so you share, even though the only thing they have asked you to do is stop. <laughs> A selfish ambition, wanting to impose your way of thinking on others, but in turn doing wrongly, handling them poorly. Or maybe you use your moral stance to create a higher ground. You know, because you think rightly about all the hot button issues and all the, all, all the, all the, the, the pressing topics of today, you're on the right side of history, you know, and everyone else who's not, you're, you're kind of, you're better than them, you know? And, and so you draw a line in the sand and then you walk as far away from it as possible and then you look back to see whoever might be near that line or at least not close enough to you, to your liking, and then you just label them as other. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you don't count others as more important than yourselves. You just count them as other. You just box them in, treat them differently. 
Because you are on moral high ground. You think rightly about all of these things. And you are more significant than the others. You're more important. And these are clues. We, we might very well know the right things to do, but as we operate in envy and selfish ambition, are not operating in God's wisdom. And if you are not careful, here's what James is saying here. Envy and selfish ambition will destroy your soul. And he says in verse 15 and 16, he says, such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil practice. James, James doesn't just say that envy and selfish ambition and wisdom from below is unwise. He says it's demonic. And the purpose of demons, we know from the Bible, is to steal, kill, and destroy. Not simply to divide. Not simply to make you argue. Not simply to make you just selfish and stop there or envious and boastful and stop there. But to steal, to kill, to destroy. And if you are not careful, if you are not careful, envy Envy will steal your ability to connect with people by killing the joy of Jesus in you and eating away at your relationship with God. And if you are not careful, envy will steal your ability, I mean, selfish ambition will steal your ability to care for people by killing the humility of Jesus in you and eating away at your relationship with God and in those ways destroy your soul. And James contrasts this fake wisdom, this wisdom from below with the wisdom from above. And he says in verse 17, essentially, Instead of, instead of living in envy and in selfish ambition, what if, what if, especially in disagreement, we sought to have more charity with one another? Which is essentially what he's saying in his list in verse 17. What if we sought to have more charity with one another? In verse 17, he says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without pretense. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. You see, James first shows us the deep, dark parts of our right thinking in order that he might call us to be more charitable with people when we believe them to be thinking wrongly. And in showing more charity, he is explaining what it looks like to do right, to really have wisdom, the wisdom we desire, the wisdom from above. And by 
pointing us to the wisdom from above. He's showing us Jesus among us. Because Jesus, our Lord, came here. Because you and I have a tendency to operate from envy and selfish ambition. And that sin is disgusting in the eyes of God. So much so that it condemns us to hell. Yet in the wisdom of Jesus, through faith in Jesus, God loves us anyway. (laughs) Through the wisdom of God, by the faith in Jesus we have, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God shows us mercy, God shows us charity, despite our ignorance, and even because of our ignorance, not our wisdom. First Timothy chapter 1, one of my favorite passages in, in the whole Bible, and if you could get this, this is the epitome of why we are here today. If you could imprint verse 13 at least in your mind, First Timothy 1, 13, though formerly I was a blasphemer, formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy. Why? Because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. (laughs) What? I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief, not because I'm very wise. And the grace of the Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save who? The wise? The sinners. The unwise. Of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason. That in me... As the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. You received mercy because of your unbelieving envy and selfishness. Not because of your wisdom in order that God might be glorified greatly by giving such great mercy and such great charity to such foul acting people. And I felt the grace of God for the first time in a jail cell on 8th Ave in order that I might come back to 8th Ave and proclaim his great charity with me. And you and I, we only fully experience the love of God, the mercy of God, the charity of God in our foolishness in order that it might be made very clear that it is the wisdom of God we live from now. And that's why James says this. He's saying, God has shown you great charity because of your lack of wisdom Because of your right thinking, because of your foolishness, would you then turn and show charity to those who you believe think wrongly? 
who you believe to be unwise, that's hard, man. <laughs> he says, I get it. You, you think you're right, and you think you're right. Great. And he doesn't even come to argue their ideas. He just says, great. You think right? Amazing. You think right? Great. How about now we show that by how we do right among one another? If you're so wise, why don't we do right? Because wisdom is the doing right, not just the thinking right. And showing charity and disagreement is doing right. Friends, I implore you, we must be more charitable with one another in disagreement in order that we might be found doing right not just thinking right. And praise God because he gives us specifics about what it looks like to do right. In verse 17, he says, first, be pure. (laughs) First, be pure. You know, purity must come before peace. And I love James here. We, we, we often look at James as like this, this tough cuss. I, I find him hilarious in this verse right here. because He gives us this whole thing, but then he says, but first, be pure. You want peace, but purity comes before peace. <laughs> and purity of, of actions, not just purity of thought, but purity in our conduct, that we would desire the righteousness of God in every aspect of our lives. Not just our Sunday, but our Monday to Saturday. Not just in these walls, in this auditorium, but in our homes and in our beds. You know, some of us, we want peace in our interpersonal relationships without purely treating people in various ways like the image bearer of God that they are. We want peace on our block But all of our solutions come from our favorite one or two talking heads. And it just doesn't work that way. And I love this first pure because James here is freeing us from beginning to believe that as followers of Jesus, we ought only always be these ways that he's getting ready to list. He frees us to remember sometimes the rebuked, sometimes those who need rebuking ought to be rebuked. We can't always be open to reason with certain certain times where there is no reason, where there is no purity. But he's saying, most likely in the scenarios you find yourselves in, you can probably show a little more charity. And that's why the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving. Peace-loving, this, this concept of having uh, freedom from internal turmoil and anxiety. Because a wisdom from below allows you to be twisted into this downward spiral by the news cycle, into this dystopian whatever. Wisdom from below allows you to be so overworked at your job and at home 
that you're anxious and you carry that other places. So much so when people might see your, your name pop up on their phone and they're anxious because you exude anxiety and negativity. Wisdom from below. But wisdom from above is free of such anxiety, is, is free of such internal angst and turmoil. And wisdom from above is gentle. <laughs> I struggle with that one, man. Not abrasive. And gentle not meaning absent or, or passive or fragile, but loving. Wisdom from, from above is gentle. Wisdom from below selfishly pushes people around to get what it wants. But wisdom from above is humble enough to care about how people are handled. Lord, I repent. Wisdom from above is open to reason or compliant, willing to listen, believing that you don't know everything. <laughs> wisdom is, is being open to, to being proven wrong sometimes. But wisdom from below is thinking you always know best. Don't ask Malia any more about this, but I know in argument, I tend to listen just well enough to pick an argument apart. And I'll listen intently too, like, oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, active listening, repeating your statements back to you, clarifying, you, so you meant this when you said that? That's great. And then when it's my turn to talk, I'll be like, well, you, I'm just, you, you said, when you said, <laughs> just like picking holes in your argument, I repent. That's wisdom from below. But wisdom from above is accepting your knowledge and viewpoints are limited at best. And being willing to listen with a learning ear. Wisdom from above is full of mercy and good fruits, right? James said in chapter 2, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has not shown mercy because we know we've received such great charity from God. We then show mercy and are charitable with other people. We don't uh, accuse people. We, 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 we don't create adjectives and titles and boxes for people that they don't put themselves in. And we show mercy, we show benevolence, right? We, we, we love people, especially on the margins with wisdom from above, right? Because with wisdom from below, we love to talk about people we know nothing about. Yeah, yeah. We, we love debating over our quinoa and tea about people who haven't even had a meal yet today. But wisdom from above is benevolent, merciful, full of good fruit, of, of doing well. Not just thinking well and meaning well, because you will know them by their fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. Wisdom from above is impartial, unwavering, not playing favorites. There should be no factions. Wisdom from, from below Wisdom from above does not run only to their favorite people at church on Sunday. (laughs) 
Wisdom from below doesn't put people in boxes and in groups in order that you might easily categorize and treat people differently. Wisdom from above treats people with equity. Wisdom from above is without pretense, just not making things seem true that are just not true. Are, are, are you the I was joking person after offending somebody? You were always joking, right? You were on the street, bumped somebody, shared some words you shouldn't, and then they go, what happened? Oh, I was joking. Sorry. <laughs> you weren't joking. You weren't. But, but maybe now you can apologize, though. <laughs> maybe now you realize you were doing not the right thing. Wisdom from below creates false narratives out of envy to tear people down. And wisdom from above builds people up. But, but when, you, when you think about wisdom and someone who is wise, do you think about these things? Purity, peace, being gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, impartial, without pretense, just not lying. Or do you think about something else? Do you think about the last 40-second video you saw on TikTok? Before I go, I want you to write down this James 3.17 question. And at some point this week, I need you to answer it. And the question is this. Who can I be more charitable with right now? Who can I show these things to better right now? With whom can I have more mercy with whom can I be more gentle, Lord? Where can I stop the false accusations? And I want you to write at least three people down. And then I want you to pray. I want you to pray through verse 17. And I want you to pray that, I want you to pray that the reckless charity that God has shown you would become so real to you that you would freely show the charity of Jesus Christ with others. Because that's real life wisdom. I'm going to pray. A short written prayer which says, Lord, I love a fight if I think I can win it. And I hate it if I think I can't. Which shows I am vigorous not for wisdom, but for myself. Reproduce in me your spirit of charity and gentleness so I won't love the wisdom from below you despise, but rather live in the wisdom from above, which is yours forever and ever. Amen.